Live from the William Hill Sportsbook at Silver 7's Hotel and Casino, it's Cofield and Company. Five o'clock hours here. Cofield and Company, Silver 7's. So we got the first part of the skills events going down for the Pro Bowl games. It's actually live. Remember last year, it wasn't live. It was over at LV Ballpark, and then they had the ridiculous policy of embargoing the information. So you covered it, and then you couldn't talk about what happened. So they, they're going live. Uh, today is actually at the Raiders facility. Inside. I was wondering if they were going to be outside. They're inside. Yeah. Which, you're down there all the time. You know, I'm down there, here and there. That indoor facility is insane. I wonder what NFL players think when they go see the Raiders facility because I don't know that the average fan understands the difference between what the Raiders have built for their players versus what other teams have well I think some of the newer you know um, some facilities that have been built up or the refurbished or maybe you know um, I've seen Patriots Belichick couldn't stop talking about how awesome this was basically saying without saying it our sucks yeah well and we uh, heard from Patriots beat people they're like it does suck yeah. Kraft hasn't put anything into it or whatever whatever city money they need. We also, kind of heard, we also heard from former Raiders who were not too happy with the fact that Josh McDaniels opened the door yeah. and said, carte blanche, have what you want. Raiders coming through there to get ready for their practice, and Patriots are in their weight room making protein shakes and using all their stuff and open door, open facility. Uh, Derek Carr was in the accuracy challenge and got real hot. And then dropped a line, which we probably need the audio because I don't want to misrepresent, but he kind of joked. The interviewer said, you know, have you ever been that hot here in Vegas? Ryan Clark. And Ryan Clark asked the question, and then Carr kind of joked, well, no. And if I had, I would probably be staying here. So, not cracking on the Raiders, I don't think. He's cracking on himself. Yeah, hey, you know what? We're moving on. That, that would have been nice to uh, throw, like, the, the skills challenge. A little he, different on the field. At least he can joke about it. Yeah. Willie, Cofield, James is helping us out down here at Silver Sevens. Come on down. We got a bunch of tickets for Fresno State against your running Rebels. That's a 8 o'clock start tomorrow. So, uh, UNLV hoops tomorrow night. Thomas and Mac, we got some freebies uh, down here at Silver Sevens. Flamingo and Paraday. So, headlines at 5. thought it was interesting. Uh, the paper had a story today about something that I've been keeping an eye on. And I, I expected a lot quicker development of a stadium district around the Al, and it's been kind of slow. While the Raiders have done a good job of getting more and more property for parking, so that's been good, but a lot of the the owners down there running businesses are like, nah, we're not selling. And so we're going to see one of the first big projects is actually interesting from Terrible Herps right there on the corner. They are going to build a parking garage and also a restaurant. I mean, you would expect in the next five years that area is going to explode. You know what it's going to remind me of is you've been to St. Louis? I haven't been since they they built the district down there, since they built up. The ballpark village? Yeah, I haven't been there since. It's pretty bad. Last time I was there, I think, was the year that uh, UNLV went to the Sweet 16. Oh, okay. And I looked up, and I'm like, oh, there's the arch. Okay, that's good. I went there for during playoff season. I watched the Royals clinch an AL playoff series with the Angels, and the next day drove up to St. Louis to watch them, unfortunately, beat my Dodgers. 
but hung out in the ballpark village beforehand, walked around. There was a show just like we're doing here on the set. And who's hosting it? Brad Thompson, former Cimarron Memorial pitcher who had also won a ring. And who was I with? His former high school coach, Calvin Valvo. But very cool environment. And that's what's going to happen around. They're building, like, different things. They're building a, an in-and-out they got different. I mean, all around there, and it's just going to become where it's going to be. You know, I, it wouldn't shock me, Steve, if at some point some of the roads, some of the it it turns into uh, on game days. It turns into like Fremont Street Experience, where everything's gets shut down. I mean, they already shut down the as you call it the hoss, right? So it wouldn't surprise me if there's certain spots where they just shut the roads down. Love the hoss. Yeah, love the hoss. You and Arash. Our boy Arash. Arash, yes. Mr. Vegas, Mr. L.A. He loves the Haas. I've never walked across. No, I have. I, uh, I've walked across the Haas uh, well before the Raiders got here. I think there was a big fight where I couldn't park at Mandalay and uh, parked across the Haas. Not a bad walk. Could be a little more scenic. I think that's coming up. More stuff to look forward to, right? So more building as they build out a district. Uh, down by the out. The Shrine Bowl is coming up over at the stadium in less than 30 minutes with the kickoff. Uh, Willie was out there much of the day yesterday talking to players, talking to folks from the NFL, talking to legends of the NFL. And one of the uh, players he got in touch with was Austin Ajake, who just finished up his career. Very good career for UNLV football and started out a conversation with the obvious, hey, back in Allegiant. You know, it feels great to be back here, obviously, at Allegiant. Uh, a lot of memories here past three seasons uh my our first practice here i was at unlv so just being back in, in familiar territory has been great uh obviously we've been uh competing against some of the best in the nation but uh my whole uh idea my whole plan this week was just to prove that i belong so it's been a, a blessing to be here and i can't wait to play it tomorrow there are there are you know several of these postseason games but the one that's always stood out for years and this has been around since 1925 that as far as the, uh, the Shriners Children's and the hospital and, and what it means and the sort of the significance beyond football for you growing up watching and so, you know, when you're in high school and you're watching the college all-stars, mm-hmm. um, what's it mean to be a part of this? You know, it's just a, it's just a blessing just to be here and it's for a good cause. So it makes it even, even uh, more rewarding. But like you said, it's bigger than football. You know, we're out here to compete and to, to uh, showcase our skills. But at the end of the day, we're really here for the children and, in the hospital and the great work that they do. So it's just a blessing to be here and to represent uh, the Shrine Bowl and, and the long history of the game. And uh, I'm just appreciative of, of this opportunity. You're also representing, obviously, UNLV. Right. Um, not the season that you guys wanted. You did finish the season by getting the cannon. Yeah. Um, Marcus Arroyo ends up being released. Barry Odom comes in. How do you feel the the program as a whole, though, the system in in, in and the state of UNLV football was left as you move on. How did how did you seniors sort of leave it? We left it in good hands, and um, you know I met Odom and I and I I appreciate the staff that he brought together, and I, I can't wait to see what they do here at UNLV. But I think we left it in, in good hands, and uh, between the facilities, the recruiting, the players that are already there, and then uh, my senior class, you know, we left a lot uh, to be done. And even though we didn't accomplish every goal that we wanted to, we. You know, we, we laid the, the groundwork, and it's only up from here for UNLV, and I, I can't wait to see what those boys do. Shrine Bowl, linebacker, UNLV, Austin Ajake, got to participate in uh, most of the week. We'll see if he gets some playing time tonight. Had you spoken to him before face-to-face? Yeah, just in – I think maybe 
I think after the um, spring game, maybe, and then he he was funny because he says like, "You've been out. You covered us, right? I recognize. You. I, I know who yeah. you are." Because because when I was walking around, he was sitting down with his group, and they where you just walk up and grab whoever you want. And he knew that I was looking for him because he. It's kind of one of those things where you're looking, and you can see out of peripheral someone staring at you. And yeah. I looked, and he and just as he caught my eye. He gave me the nod and the smile, and I caught, not, said, come on, let's go over to the ESPN booth. So, yeah, good kid. Impressive dude yeah. and uh, very mature. Yes. Yeah. The way he carries himself, which I think is going to and probably did impress anyone who did interviews with him. So he's got a chance to play pro football. And, then, you know, this is why we, you know, we've been talking about the XFL so much. I mean, can Ajake make the NFL at some point? Possibly. But the reason the XFL and the USFL are, their survival is integral for guys like Ajake to try to make it into the league. you got to have somewhere to play real football. And you know what, Steve? Um, this may tie into something that we're going to talk about, but in this day and age with the NFL also, we just went through it with the, with, with the Raiders last season. Not this past season, the previous season. Character. Yep. Big, big issue with character. And you asked me what it was like earlier today. You asked me what it was like to be out there in terms of talking to these guys. The humility that they come with, um, the genuinity, and being around and humbled by the Shriners children. Um, these teams these days, you know, if you're if you're borderline, you're on, you're you're on a fine line, but you're coachable and can be coached up, and you have a great character. You might make it above someone who might be better on paper, but eh. Damon Arnett, Henry Ruggs, now. I don't want to slam Henry Ruggs' character because I'm sure that he was beloved in Alabama. What I'm saying is we've seen character issues across the board. Locally, I bring those guys up, but across the board, in general, in all sports, character issue is moving up the ladder in when you're vetting somebody and who you want to go after. Willie, Cofield, Silver Sevens doing headlines at 5 o'clock. In a little bit, we're going to address more of that GOAT conversation because there was a big Joe Montana supporter who was on TV yesterday, or should I better state it, Joe Montaner. That's coming up in 15. Aaron Rodgers' time on the show. A-Rodge gets to speak to Pat McAfee every week. Before we get to a couple of the bites... What is going on with the Raiders, Devontae Adams, former teammate of A-Raj, and his action on social media? I think he did a Q&A or something. One of those things, like, hey, I got some time. Shoot me some questions. Okay. One of those local, locally, I don't follow those Las Vegas that everybody seems to love to follow. Asked him what neighborhood Mr. Rogers would be in next. And Devontae quoted and said, mine. Then apparently there's a, um, from my understanding, there's a picture. I didn't go search for it on Twitter. Adam would have found that. You know, our our guy Adam Hill, he would have searched it out within seconds. Uh, There's a picture of them two hanging out. I don't know if it's in Vegas or if it's old. And then he also had something on his Instagram story in the last 24, 48 hours. Uh Breaking down a play, throwing over the cr- the back shoulder. You may have showed me that one. I can't remember, but uh, it was a, it was a, and, and, and they dissect a play, but it was him and Rogers. A lot of uh, in, innuendo 
and Devontae's fueling that fire. And I'm sure if since he said that he wanted to be a part of this conversation with McDaniels and Ziegler, he's going to stick around. And, you know, rightfully so, probably should have a little bit of a say-so. I was just laughing because I was thinking back to uh, last week and the frustration expressed by some fans, but more of the media saying, I can't deal with another year of Aaron Rodgers drama. And I was on the air. I'm like, what? Like, this is great. It's a great story to follow. Why would you be tired of drama? It's tremendous. And, and Aaron Rodgers leans right into it. We got more questions again about his relationship with the Packers. Are they looking to win this year or are they rebuilding? He was on with McAfee and uh, they mentioned, hey, you know, this is kind of time sensitive. If there's a rebuild going on, I won't be a part of it. You know, not, so they have to figure that out. And do they have to figure that out before you decide that you're coming back? Because then there is kind of a timeline, right? Listen, I don't think any team uh, outside of maybe, uh, you know, the Texans this year. Or some, there's a couple of teams maybe who might say, yeah, we're rebuilding. You know, oh. we finished, you know, yep. down at the bottom. Obviously, we're going to start over new. All right. So there's. There are probably a couple more teams that are rebuilding, but they may not say it outright. And he put it nicely there. If someone drafts a quarterback, that's close to a rebuild. Uh, other part of the conversation, I thought he was pretty clear here. Again, uh, he ain't staying around for a rebuild, and they've got their next quarterback. But it's a mindset. You know, if they want to go younger and, and think Jordan's ready to go, then they're, then that might be the way they want to go. And if that's the case and I still want to play, then – there's only one option, right? That's to play somewhere else. Okay. No beating around the bush. Packers need to tell them what the deal is. If they're trying to win, if they're going to get more talent. If not, he still wants to play. Good news for teams that need a quarterback around the National Football League. Bad news for the Raiders. Why? Because I don't think that Aaron Rodgers is the answer. You're, not, you, you, you're going to sink all that money into some. Now, what about the defense and what about the offensive line? The, the, let me tell you something. You don't need, and Mark May said this during an interview, you don't need a great quarterback. You don't need a star quarterback. You need a good quarterback that can be protected by the offensive line when you have a star-studded lineup like you have Josh Jacobs, you have Devontae Adams, you potentially have Darren Waller and Hunter Renfro unless they're going to be dealt. I don't know if Foster Morrow's coming back, but here's the thing, Steve. In the past 20 years, who's dominated the NFL that stole the headlines in the last 24 hours? Who's been the dominating quarterback? Tom Brady, right? Okay. So 20 years ago, at 2001, did the Patriots build around, did they draft and build around a great quarterback, or did they go find a gem in the sixth round? Because Tom Brady was not a great quarterback. He was a, he was a backup out of Michigan, and then, oh, my goodness, look what Bill Belichick found, and look what he has. So who's to tell us that there's not a quarterback waiting in the third or fourth round? Jared Stidham, he started two games against the Chiefs and the 49ers. The Niners, we've been saying all week, if they didn't lose Brock Purdy, could have very well challenged the Eagles to get into the Super Bowl. The Chiefs are in the Super Bowl. Those were his two starts, and he looked pretty damn good against the 49ers. He knows the system. 
So I'm not so sure that they need to bring in a star quarterback when they need to build their defense and offensive line first. Wrong so many ways. Uh, first of all, when we're framing this, yeah. Derek Carr is in large part going bye-bye because of Mark Davis. Mark Davis wanted Tom Brady three years ago. Mark Davis wants to win now. He wants a star quarterback. That's where the talk of Aaron Rodgers comes in. And when you talk about building, they can get Aaron Rodgers and build. But here's how it's going to have to happen. And this should be Rodgers' requirements in wherever he goes. I keep seeing ridiculous deals for 39-year-old Aaron Rodgers making $53 million a year where apparently uh, people think the Packers are getting two first players, three more picks beyond that. This is a salary dump. Now, there's probably four or five teams that are willing to pay something for him. But the other factor here is, and we talked about this with Brady, didn't we, Willie? Aaron Rodgers is not a free agent, but he can control where he goes. And he can make it real difficult. And if I'm Aaron Rodgers, I go to the Packers and go, wait, these are the spots I want to go to. What are you asking for? First. No, 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 no. I'm not going anywhere. If that team trades a first for me, I'm not going there. So your deal's dead. I will be fair, and I will allow you to trade me, but that other team can't be fleeced with their draft picks. I will not let it happen. I hope he does it. And, I mean, if any guy's going to do it, it's Rodgers. I mean, he already he just said the other day, he's like, well, you know, there seems to be a lot of conversations going on with the Packers about personnel. And I'm not involved. Uh-oh. You know how Rodgers is. He doesn't want to be surprised. So I hope, and it's because I cover one team and I root for the other, I hope that Rodgers puts his foot down and he's like, no, no, no. When you trade, here's what you do. You go and get a player, right, and some picks, maybe a conditional pick. And can the Raiders do now, they might have to trade a really good player because, like you said, Willie, you're going to spend a lot of money on Rodgers. Cap's going to go up to 224, but you're going to have to clear a little money. So if the Raiders, if Rodgers is involved and wants to make it fair for the team he's going to, what if it's Darren Waller and then a couple of picks? It ain't first. Some conditional picks, right? Rodgers has to play whatever. 12 games. Third-round pick conditional to two. And then maybe a, an, another good pick in 2024. Can you get Rodgers and still rebuild some of the other areas of the team? Is that possible? You just said that Mark Davis wants to win right now. I'm looking at Rodgers' career. Oh, stop, please. He's got one Super Bowl. Okay. Can, we stop with the, can we stop with the one Super Bowl stuff? He's got one Super Bowl in 18 years. We're going to denigrate in Aaron Rodgers. People have been beating up on got, Sean Payton. It's hard to win Super Bowls. He led the league. He led the league. In completion percentage, one time in his entire career, he led the league in average pass, uh, average yards per pass attempt, one time. I feel like you're pulling career. out the little handbook in 1983 with all the stats in it, and like, okay, when well, numbers don't lie, <laughs> he's, he's, he had Devontae Adams in Green Bay. Let me tell you something. He had better, a complete team. He had, oh, oh, well, come on over to the Raiders because this was a complete team. They can rebuild. I, you're you're like you are so like bust. 
It's get the quarterback, and then you're after. Every year like I not, hear not the case. since this team's been here, that's all I've heard is they can rebuild. They can rebuild. When? When are you rebuild? Why didn't they rebuild this past year? Why did not the, why uh, did rebuild's what, the wrong word. Why build. wasn't the defense built up? Why wasn't the offensive line built up? Willie, why? We, we know why. Because the talent evaluators were horrible. Because they pissed away first round picks left and right with terrible picks. It's not, you have it, to you have to trust Ziegler and McDaniel's to a certain extent and the personnel people that they're gonna do well in these drafts. They, their, their third round pick was an all rookie in Dylan Parham. Right? Yes. I expect them to be good in the draft. So they're gonna they have no choice. That's just the way it is. If you want to have a thirty-five to fifty million dollar quarterback, you got to have good personnel, people, and you got to nail the draft. And I, I still believe, and I believed it with Brady, and I believe it with Rodgers, that Rodgers can draw some veterans on cheaper deals who want to come in and potentially compete for a title. I just—it's so funny to me that we have this league that basically has four elite teams, then I don't know twenty-three that are. You know, coin flip plays throughout the season, somewhere between 11 wins and 7 wins. And now the Raiders, because they made the playoffs two years ago, they dropped off last year, now they are miles away from a title. It's absurd. Totally absurd. Hold, hold, hold the point. On the way back, you did mention character arrest. We got a very big name in the NFL who has been arrested. Hanging at the William Hill Sportsbook inside Silver 7s, it's Cofield and Company. Make sure you come on down to Silver 7s, Flamingo and Paradise to watch the big game. 77 cent beers, Bud, Bud Light, Mick Ultra during the games. Uh, my tea's going to break. Socked said NFL player got arrested. There's a warrant out for the arrest of Bengals running back Joe Mixon. Uh-oh. Yeah. Mixon's been charged in a warrant with a misdemeanor count of aggravated menacing, according to online court records posted Thursday today. Um, WCPO-TV obtained the copy of the warrant, reported Mixon was accused of pointing a gun at a woman and saying, you should be popped in the face, I should shoot you. The police can't get me. The incident occurred on January 21st, the day before the Bengals beat the Buffalo Bills in a divisional round playoff game per WCPO TV. Court records did not list an attorney for Mixon. Um, So I would imagine that he'll lawyer up and turn himself in at at some point. I mean, you know, he's been charged. It doesn't say that he's been arrested yet, but um, he's going to have to obviously – Play by the rules on this one and turn himself in with his lawyer. And, and if it turns out to process. be true, after they go through the process, the NFL will deal with Joe Mixon in 2028. Yeah, maybe. Shortly after, shortly they, after short, they win a couple of Super Bowls. Shortly after they deal with uh, Alvin Kamara. Yes. So they still haven't dealt with yeah. for his incident right at the road. Maybe. Where he and a group of dudes are accused of or allegedly really beating down a guy outside the elevators. So quite possibly what we'll see is the NFL will deal with them, Steve, after Aaron Rodgers goes to New Orleans, the Saints and the Bengals play in a Super Bowl or two, and then they'll handle the punishment. Now, back to the William Hill Sportsbook Inside Silver Sevens with Cofield and Company. 
I sit on my couch and I uh, fill my game ready machine with ice and I prop my legs up. I watch some shows and then I go to bed at 8.30. I wake up and get to work. Nick Bosa, I thought it was you. Like, go home, get treatment, sit on the couch, go to sleep at 8.30. Get up the next day, work. Mm-hmm. Do you get – I always wonder, do you do you, you just send it for so I'll have something to wake up to, or do you get irritated when you send tweets after 9 o'clock and I don't reply until 3 in the morning? Text, Text yeah. yeah. No, I, no I don't. I don't cause I know Because I know you're getting up early, I'm, and I hope I'm not waking you up no. with text. But I text one – when you I'm, think it's something because I might not remember the next day. So I <laughs> and there and there are certain people, like there are certain people on the show I'll text at two in the morning. Right. Um, but yeah, I might forget. So you send the text. So I just send it. Yeah. Well, no, there's a certain time on my phone. Yeah. I have the, on the iPhone. They have the focuses. Yeah. So I have their different labeled ones. I have yeah. Jim. I have one that just says Jordan. I have uh, family and friends. I have work. So whichever focus I put it on, but it automatically shifts to a specific focus at a specific time at night, and it stays that way till the next morning. So there's only one person that could get through. But so I wake up sometimes. But yeah, that is me. I send it. I I send it when I think of it. Yeah. The text and like we book all the guests now on Cofield and Company, and like I don't. I'm not restricting myself to. I mean, I'm not going to do it at two in the morning to a guest, but I'll do it up until you know. 10 o'clock their time and starting at 7 in the morning and seven days a week. Yeah. And if someone gets offended by that, but in this business to get guests, like, got to get at people. Yeah, That's the so, way it goes. So to answer your question, I will go home and yeah. um, I'll throw some stim on the knees, a little ice, throw on Pluto TV, decide which old school TV show I'm going to watch, and I'll be up at 3 a.m. But I like what Bosa said. I believe him. To be great. You know, starting in your early 20s, the bull crap has to go out the window. You know, you want to jerk around. Maybe you're naturally talented. You can get away with it. But at some point as an athlete, especially in the NFL, like you can do that for like three or four years. But with the physicality of it, if you don't if you don't work at your craft and get sleep and not screw around and, you know, get in trouble, you, your, your career could end. There's a great viral video that's going around TikTok, Instagram reels of Muhammad Ali. And they ask him about um, – Basically, it, it it centers around work ethic and the biggest obstacle. But you know, and he said, going to bed at night, mm-hmm. going to bed at night alone, focusing on your craft. Yep. So it's 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 actually. And we're seeing the best examples with stories this week. Patrick Mahomes is going to the Super Bowl. He's done it now three times. Youngest age ever, like whatever he is, twenty-seven to two hundred sixty-eight days. Tom Brady just retired at forty-six years old. I mean, I think Brady always took it seriously, but as he got older, I mean, he was a freaking lunatic. And, you know, we never pointed out. I, I have no idea how crazy their life is. I think during the summer we've seen some videos of uh, Mahomes and his wife hanging out. Mm-hmm. But you notice this year, and I wonder if there's going to be a storyline at the Super Bowl, his brother and the wife, we haven't heard crap from them because mm-hmm. he had a talk. You know he had a talk with them, and he's like, distractions are done, all right? I didn't win a championship last year. That's enough. So that's the other thing. you got to kind of clean up your existence. But these two guys, in my mind, are definitely amongst the top five greatest quarterbacks of all time, Mahomes and Brady. The other day we got into it a little bit. We're not big list guys, but I wanted to mention it. I think Mahomes is certainly on his way to being the greatest of all time. I think I already think he is. I think he could have gone into any era and won freaking half the decade Super Bowls, if not more. He's, he's that 
awesome, and we just saw how awesome Brady was. On the morning show, the national morning show, um, Max and Keyshawn start talking about when can we really mention Mahomes as a GOAT. He's got to get two before we can start really having that conversation. Talk to me after February. But if he does, then I think there's there's a possibility that he may be able to get close. It's hard as hell to win the Super Bowl, man. It's ridiculous that we're even having the conversation. Well, exactly. you one brought it up. Yeah, I know, but I know. In other so, words, it's so hard to get a championship. But that sounds like you and me. I love right? this. <laughs> right? Yes, yes, yes. Set up a topic, and then uh, this is really stupid. We're talking about this. You set it up. Yes. But I like what Max said at the end and Keyshawn said in the middle. Championships are really hard to win in the NFL. It was also why I started screaming at you 15 minutes ago when you're like, you know, Rodgers only has one, or people this week are like, Sean Payton only has one Super Bowl. You know how freaking hard it is to win Super Bowls? You know how ridiculous what Tom Brady just accomplished was? It's insane. Here's the uh, second part of their conversation. How many would he need to really be considered? I would give him four. Right. And then you could start considering. Now, I would give him four, four because, again, however you want to say it, or, or I will always tell Willie McGinnis, Teddy Bruschi, Lawyer Malloy and company, that those first three, they had a lot to do with. I only look at really, when we start talking about Tom Brady, I start looking at like four, maybe five of them. Because where he was responsible. Well, he was yes. kind of well, responsible for them. I don't even know what that means. He's responsible in large part for all seven. I, I'm not, I'm not going to sit here. He's most certainly responsible for the last one. I mean, Vinatieri played a large part in it because you got to have some clutch kicking. Got him a leader. I, I, and the Patriots were never filled with a ton of superstars on offense. He, just like most great quarterbacks do, he elevated the level of everyone else. 21 years? 21 years, right? 2001 he came in the league. So Pat Mahomes is in his sixth with a chance to win his second. Yeah. So in reality. Didn't play his first year. Right. Didn't play his first year. Good move, Chiefs. So, 18, 19, 20, 21, he's played four years. This is his fifth. He went 1-0 and in this lone game, 2017. Game so, what, what is he on pace in winning? One every five years? Or, let's say he doesn't win. One every five years, if he were to play mm-hmm. 20 years, gives him four. If he wins two, he could have four by ten, by his tenth year. Now, here's the big question with Pat Mahomes. How much do you credit what Pat Mahomes has been able to do? Because remember, the big question going into this season was Tyreek Hill's gone. What's his offense going to look like? How much credit do we give to Andy Reid? And will he be around long enough to coach Pat Mahomes during his whole career? Belichick's been around. No, and you're right. There's going to be a coaching change. Uh, But as time goes along, I think it's harder now to win than ever because of the ever-moving parts on your team because of the salary cap. And while Brady played in the salary cap era, it's gotten worse. ESPN, in trying to put together their show with Stephen A., you remember Max was on the show, but then Max would always fight back, and Stephen A. started getting annoyed and then started threatening him on the air. You can be gone when I say you're gone, basically, and he was gone. So now they've got a mix of Stephen A. with a bunch of athletes. And then they said, you know what, Uh, we're all here in the Northeast, um, so let's bring on some Northeast personalities 
and uh, whatever study they did, let's get guys who are 65 plus, right? I think Mad Dog Russo is like 63. So Russo goes in there, and he does a good job because, first of all, Stephen A. respects him, so he's not going to sit there and get all annoyed and you know denigrate him like he did with uh, Sam Acho. There was an exchange where I was like, what are you doing, like talking down to a former NFL player? And we always heard the, you know, the bickering that he had with Max. So Russo comes in, and they've had some pretty funny arguments. But, you know, the Mad Dog, and I think he's awesome, but he also he tends to trend super old. So, I mean, there was a conversation when he first came on where he was like, he's trying to compare Bob Cousy to modern-day players. And then J.J. Reddick's on there, and he's like, give me a break. And Reddick was right, you know. But here's what happens. When we have these discussions, most people will glamorize their era. I don't do that. I don't. I watch objectively. And then I also take into account a lot of things that are happening now in terms of athleticism, size, and media, social media. Things change. So Mad Dog used to do a show with a guy named Mike Francesa, right? That was the original 24-hour station. They kicked it off at WFAN back in 87, and then, you know, it spread across the country. They did a good show. So now they bring in Francesa to be with Stephen A., and Russo. And they start getting into the GOAT conversation. So here is uh, Mike Francesa of New York Radio fame. He's not the best regular season quarterback I've ever seen. Peyton Manning was. What? He's not the best Super Bowl quarterback who ever lived. Joe Montana is. Okay. So, one, he stole my bit there. And it wasn't a bit. I said Peyton Manning was the second best quarterback of all time. Brady's fourth. I want you to hear more of this on the best Super Bowl winner with... Montana, do you have any objection to him putting Manning ahead regular season and saying that Montana, as he said, Joe Montana, better Super Bowl quarterback than Brady? Do you have an issue with that? No, because we talked the other day and you gave me your all-time quarterback list. What I took, if you remember, what I said was nobody's list is wrong because right. they have their own argument. Right. My list isn't wrong. Your list isn't wrong because it's your list. I could dispute why I disagree with it, but. He won the most Super Bowl, so he will be remembered because nobody's going to play 23 years and nobody's probably ever going to have a chance to win that many Super Bowls. It's almost impossible to do. He was in the right place with the right coach. Oh, boy. Now we got a problem. Now we got a big problem. Tom Brady was in the right place at the right time with the right coach. Are you freaking kidding me? Joe Montana? Wasn't in the right place at the right time with the right coach? With you ever look at the collection of players around Joe Montana? The coach? I mean, Bill, Walsh, Bill Walsh is considered one of the, if not the most, innovative offensive coaches in the history of all of football. But Tom Brady was in the right place at the right time with the right coach. That can't be a qualifier here, Mike Francesa. It can't. Especially when he left and went to Tampa Bay, and right, obviously he didn't need to be in that. Is, is, he didn't need to be in that place with that coach. Right? Is Bruce Arians a top fifty coach of all time? Uh, I'd probably not. Top thirty-five in the NFL. Yeah. I'm not going to go there. I mean, I, I don't. I don't want to lean into the disrespect that certain people get in terms of. O-coordinator jobs and head coaching jobs? Are we going to look back and go, 
Wow. Byron Leftwich. He got to play under Byron Leftwich. I mean, that, that's a and, – and Montana was very good with the Chiefs. He was. he was. He was good. And I'm not trying to disrespect Joe Montana, but this is what happens sometimes where people love their freaking era so much that I don't think they give the correct recognition to the players of today. One more with uh, Mike. You have one game to win. I'm picking Joe Montana. Joe Montana's Super Bowl quarterback rating was 127.8. Brady's was in the 90s. Brady was great in the Super Bowl, but let's be honest. Not he got a lot of breaks in the Super Bowl, too. Montana yes. never made a mistake. Never made a mistake. All right. Let me – this is something I'm, I'm going to bring up. I don't know that people will like the conversation or will even answer. We're going to get a chance. I don't know who we're going to talk to in terms of Radio Row next week. We'll be down there. And we'll get some legends of the 80s on. And I want people to speak honestly. I find Joe Montana to be a really fascinating character in sports history. Because if you noticed, about four minutes ago I mentioned rosters changing in this era. Salary cap. Media and social media. The NFL is not covered now like it was from, say, 80. You know, Montana was, what, 78, 79, coming out of Notre Dame. So 79 to the mid-'90s. It started to open up a little more in the mid-'90s, and, like, we started to find out what the Cowboys were like behind the scenes. Um, If we had known how crazy the Bills were, that would be real interesting, right, in today's media where there's so many people watching all the time with cameras. And media people don't hold back anymore. They'll, They'll keep some secrets. So my question next week for a lot of the players who played back then, especially on the Niners, and who knows, I might get thrown through a table. I don't care. But I think Tom Brady was a great leader and a great teammate. I don't know from stuff that I've seen and heard that Joe Montana was a great teammate all the time and a great guy because we know Montana and Steve Young, that wasn't a great relationship. Mm Mm-hmm. If the media now, 40 years later, covered Montana like they cover guys now, oh, I think we would have found out a lot more about Joe Montana. And then what happens, that all starts to build on itself. And then it becomes talking points on shows like Francesa and Stephen A. and Russo. And then all of a sudden the quarterback's looking around. He's dealing with a whole different set of circumstances. Look, look at how hard this year was, how embarrassed Kyler Murray got by some of his contract details coming out. That's the other thing. Teams, let's agents, leaking stuff, right? sabotaging and don't forget when I talk about team like there's people listening right now and are like what's this guy talking about Joe Montana it's great winner must have been a great teammate Joe Montana crossed the picket line crossed the picket line in 82 I don't know if you come from any union roots I do mm-hmm Hey, that you, that that happens now with the media and all these other influencers. And I know we're not as you know pro union as we used to be. We've been kind of you know buffaloed into believing that, that whatever. But more stuff would have come out about Joe Montana. Oh boy, his career would have been a little tougher dealing with the media and that that uh, that picket that picket line cross that union busting. Ooh. Cable TV had just come around because there's still that famous shot of Chris Berman on the field. So you're right. 
no talk shows, no streaming, no social media. A whole different game now. And real quick before we go to break, you earlier you said Tom Brady didn't always have the, the star-studded. Those guys back right. then, right. Jerry Rice, don't we consider him the greatest receiver of all time? Joe Montana had him. Roger Staubach had Drew Pearson. Terry Bradshaw had Lynn Swan making incredible catches. If you were to sit here and just go, okay, who is the greatest? Who, who who's the star stud receiver? I mean, the top receiver you're going to name that probably came out of the crew that during Tom Brady's run, what Randy Moss, but he, and then you you can name the other ones, but they don't rank among the greats. He made them better. Cofield and Company presents. Hey, hold on, hold on, hold on. Grab bag. Don't touch it. Don't even look at it. Only on ESPN Las Vegas. Now I got myself all wound up for next week for Radio Row. I'm old, so I might not remember, but I have a feeling that that GOAT thing with Mahomes and Brady and Joe Montana and others will be a topic of discussion. And while lots of people hate it, I, I love era discussions. So I'm all jacked up to talk about that. We have to finish the show. Damn. We're just getting into it. Three hours in the books. You can find the archives in just a little bit up on lvsportsnetwork.com. Also, follow at ESPN Las Vegas, at ESPN Las Vegas, at Steve Cofield, at UNLV All Access. Um, we got a ton of good audio yesterday. Check that. Video yesterday. Willie from the Barry Odom press conference, UNLV football. Yep. So we'll have some more videos coming out. There were two videos, but we have it all clipped up, so we'll push those out. Uh, Running Rebels play tomorrow against Fresno, and, boy, they had a tough time the last game around, Willie, as they uh, lost at Fresno. Not a great team, but, you know, Fresno's a tough matchup. They press, they're physical, they're big. And today uh, we talked, uh, the media did, to Kevin Kruger, and we talked about the press because, man, they had a tough time to close out the game against Colorado State. And uh, here's part of the conversation with Kruger and, you know, what they learned against the press and what they have to tweak. What do you see against that press that was a little bit flawed on, on your part? Uh, just getting open. I think, you know, that one thing that we talked about a lot, um, you know, it's one thing to get open, but it's another thing to, you know, get open when your teammate's ready to make a pass. Uh, you know, one of the things these, these guys do at an elite level defensively is disrupt rhythm. Um, you know, when somebody's trying to run something or if there's a specific timing play, I feel that, you know, our guys are, are elite at, at being able to kind of, you know, change the timing a little bit or, or kind of be a little disruptive to change just to this or that and and we were kind of on the other end of that uh the other night just uh we get open and then we just we gotta we gotta recognize when to get open and then sometimes you know it's just about moving about moving and shifting defense and uh but again you know going through it on the road where you know you can't communicate as easily and uh it was a it's, it's, hopefully it's one of the better things that happened for us coming from that game and it was pretty loud uh, at CSU, even though the crowd was a little smaller than normal, about 4,000. But they got all frenzied because they were trying to execute a comeback from down 22. But, yeah, against the press, um, one, you can't just stop into a double team. Uh, you really don't want to inbound right there on the baseline. And then everyone else has to move. You can't, everyone's, everyone's stagnant all of a sudden. And there were times you look out there and you're like, is this eight versus five right now? Like, there's, they were, I'm like It seems like there's ten CSU guys on the floor. What do you think happens tomorrow against Fresno? I think they're going to look active. I think they're going to be moving. I think there's going to be a lot of um, ball movement 
and I think revenge will be had, and the fourth game will be won. Fourth in a row. Nice. All right, get on down here. Anytime, a play card is what you want to sign up for at Silver Sevens, Flamingo, and Paradise, and late-night entertainment, Friday and Saturday nights, $3 beer and shot special.